Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And tonight's podcast is actually going to be a bit of a crossover. I'm going to talk about the pipeline, how the pipeline did. And I'm also going to talk about something that I think is probably, possibly, at least possibly, maybe probably, a bit more important. And I'll start with the thing that I think might be more important first. Friday night was progressing along as it did. I actually took a nap amid an 11-run inning by the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, which I'll get to in a few. And uh, when I woke up, I ran into some news that was a bit um, surprising. Wouldn't say shocking, but surprising. Um, and it may have some ripples, some splinters that, while generally bad, might be good for the Cubs. Kyle Bodie, or Body. I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure how you say. I'm going to say Body. Kyle. His last name is spelled B-O-D-D-Y. I'm going to say it's Body could be Bodie, was let go by the Cincinnati Reds. Kyle started driveline. And driveline started an entirely new way of looking at pitching. Back in the day, um, pitching was taught as pitching had been taught for the last 50, 60, 80, 100 years. Kyle, uh, Kyle's Driveline Institute, out in Washington, I think, Northwest, um, began to look at things differently. He began to aggressively use computers on hitters and pitchers. Hitters and pitchers, what is his... Um, what are his body mechanics? What is his fastball doing? What is his splitter doing? What is his curveball doing? Is there a way that possibly his curveball could be improved off of various factors? And in between, I'm going to say 2014 and 2016, I'm inventing numbers, but I think I'm really close Somebody wants to correct me, you're certainly welcome to. But from about 2014 to about 2016, Driveline was there. It was out there. People knew it existed. But people pretty much laughed at it. They scoffed at it. No, that's not how it's going to work. One of the things that Driveline did that people hadn't done before, and you know how big a baseball is. You know how big a baseball is. What Driveline would start to do is encourage and train pitchers to use different sized and different weighted baseballs when they're pitching. So instead of you throw a baseball, you throw a baseball, you throw a baseball, you throw a baseball, throw a normal sized baseball, you throw a slightly smaller baseball, smaller uh, weighted baseball, a slightly heavier weighted baseball, and you have you have a big old basket full of balls, 
and you're just reaching in and pulling one out and throwing it. You have no idea what the size is going to be. And for a long time, what a stupid idea. People are going to get hurt because they do that. Well, perhaps they are getting hurt because they're doing that, but it's also making players better at pitching. Pitchers are developing better because they're throwing more um, <coughs> weighted baseballs. Weighted baseballs is the term. And some of the weighted baseballs are smaller, some of them are heavier, some are the same size. But what you are focusing on with the weighted baseball is training the pitcher to use his optimal pitching delivery. It's not his optimal pitching delivery based on it being a normal size baseball. You're teaching him to throw what is the best way for him to pitch. What is the best way for him to get hitters out? What is the best way for him to get late break on his slider? What is the best way for him to increase velocity? Whole bunch of questions. And there are computers up the wazoo. Don't say, I want to go work a driveline if you don't want to deal with computers, because that's pretty much what it is. Whether hitters, whether pitchers, you are dealing with computers and you are dealing with trying to get pitchers or hitters to do better. Now, all of a sudden, instead of just having somebody tossing BP like it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that, that guy hit that uh, 75 mile an hour and straight ball. Yeah, he hit that one really good. So, yeah, he's going to be. Now, people are. Um, how do I want to phrase this? Instead of batting practice being batting practice and pitching practice being pitching practice, instead of them being entirely, totally, completely separate. They're the same. The pitcher is trying to upgrade his game, facing a hitter in practice when the hitter is trying to upgrade his game. They're both trying to get better at the same time. Kyle Bodie was on the forefront of that stuff. And Driveline and places like Driveline started to become popular in about 2016, 2017, 2018. And that's kind of um, ironic and inconvenient for the Cubs because while in 2012 and 2013 and 2014, the Cubs were trying anything, anything to gain an advantage. They wanted to catch the Cardinals. They wanted to catch the Brewers. They wanted to catch the Pirates. They, they wanted to catch the entire division. They wanted to catch the entire league. What can we do? What um, Under what stone can we look? to find something to make our organization better. They were looking through everything in 2014, 2012, 2013, 2014. By 2015, they started, hey, we got something going on here. We got something going on here. And they started to pull the foot off the throttle. They, they started to dial it back. Then when they won it in 2016, the Cubs quit taking chances. There were no chances being taken. None. And then um, 2017, the same. About 2018 or 2019, somewhere in there, the Cubs started to realize, you know, what we've been doing isn't working. Let's try something new. Craig Breslow was brought in. He has been very good at updating, particularly the bullpen end of what the Cubs are doing. Breslow, very good. No problem with him whatsoever. Now, 
Kyle Bodie has been let go of by the Reds. Kyle Bodie is a pitcher development development guru sort of mind. Is that something that the Cubs ought to look into? Seems like it to me. You know, they're not required by me saying, yeah, Cubs ought to look into Kyle Bodie to go out and sign him. You know, they're not required to go. They have to do this. No, go talk to him. Hey, you don't have a job. Can you come over and can we interview you on Wednesday? I was doing a little bit of looking on the Cincinnati Reds page, front office page. They have the Cincinnati Reds have a director of hitting and a director of pitching. Literally, those are the words. Director of hitting, director of pitching. And Kyle Bodie had been the director of pitching. Both, I think it's both the director of hitting and director of pitching have been let go. Hmm, interesting. Odd. Is that because they were incompetent? Or is that because the Reds are going in a different direction? I don't know. Uh, Probably get some arguments depending upon who you're talking with. I'm interested in ideas. I'm interested in ideas. Back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, Abraham Lincoln brought in for his cabinet all the people that he was running against in the Republican primaries. These are the guys. They know that they think kind of like we don't agree on stuff. We're going to fight like cats and dogs because we both believe in what we believe in. But I'm going to have all of them on my cabinet. I think I heard somebody say at some point along the line, also brought in some Democrats. You know, say, hey, let's let's all discuss. Let's try to figure out what is the best thing. And that's exactly where the Cubs should be. What can we do to upgrade the pitching? It's not so much about. Kyle Bodie would make, who do I want to say specifically? Um... Hmm, Ryan Jensen. Let's use Ryan Jensen for an example. It's not a case of you bring in Kyle Bodie because Kyle Bodie is going to make uh, Ryan Jensen definitely a better pitcher. That's not why you bring in Kyle Bodie. You bring in Kyle Bodie because he has ideas. And you bring in Kyle... Did you ever have a favorite teacher in high school? Or in school? Um, I I had one. Uh, Miss Van Camp taught me how to write, so uh, complain to her. She's the one. Um, but no. And there were other people who, yeah, well, she's kind of a good teacher, but I, I, I liked somebody else who was, be- you know, I, I, somebody else resonated better with me. And that's the thing, resonating. Not all pitching coaches are going to resonate with every single player. There's going to be some guys who, I hear what you're saying. I understand the words that you're saying but it's just not getting me to be any better. It's not, gee, this coach is horrible because he can't get every player to be, it doesn't work that way. What you want to do is have enough voices, enough people out there, enough backgrounds. You know, you get maybe a situation where, hey, this guy is from um, Venezuela. This hitter is from Venezuela, and he is rather... um, familiar with the Venezuelan way of people being taught how to hit, if there is a way that Venezuelans are taught how to hit. So let's have this hitting coach who has some history in Venezuela 
uh, have him try to teach him how to hit a little better. See how that works? You know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But at least if you give it a look, if you give it a try, hey, take a look at this guy. Check, check this guy out. Try to help this guy for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. One of the things that I see, rightly or wrongly, is when I watch the box scores. And I'm going to scroll down to the Mesa Cubs box score right now. Where is the scroll bar? The scroll bar is being annoying. It's hiding on me. I can't find it. But no, you get down to the bottom of the page and you get to see which pitchers did what in the game today. Which pitchers did what in the game today? What are their earned run averages? And earned run average earned run averages lie. I hope you know that. Sometimes it's what we go with, sometimes it's what I go with, because really it's about the best thing I have to assess things that I haven't seen entirely for myself. But if you have a and the Cubs do, if the Cubs have a pitcher in the Arizona complex, Mesa complex. He's been in the DSL for two or three years. He's been in Arizona for two years. And next year is going to be his third year. He throws 94, 95, 96, but he just can't throw a strike. And there's just, you know, it's just what he was in. We had this guy, this guy work with him and this other guy work with him. This guy from, you know, what players need is whatever it is that's going to get them to be useful. Whatever that is for them to get useful, that is what they need. And there is the chance that maybe, perhaps, Kyle Bodie might be able to assist with, let's see, I'm looking at, uh, you know, which I, you, you have that, the Cubs have that pitcher who he just hasn't resonated with someone yet. Maybe Kyle Bodie has something he can do that can untap this guy's potential and get him flowing through the system. Because when a player continues to return to the Arizona League and can't get out of the Arizona League, it really doesn't help a whole lot. The Reds may be in a situation where they are dialing back in the front office, much like the Cubs dialed back in the front office, what was it, a year ago, two years ago? No, we're going to fire a bunch of people. We're going to let go a whole bunch of people because, which was it the was it the Reds game? No, it's a Phillies game where the Phillies were in contention. They were only drawing like 16,000 fans. You get a situation like that. That's what leads to um, ownership deciding we aren't going to bring people back. And not players, you know, coaches. Are, okay, we, we can only have X number of people because we only have... X number of fans showing up, and dumb decisions are made. Stupid decisions are made. I'm not saying Kyle Bodie is the answer to every single malady in the Cubs development pipeline. What I am saying is, he's available. <laughs> Invite him in. Talk to him. Hey, you want? Would you like a gig? Would you like a gig? <laughs> we don't have. We we have a director of hitting, Justin Stone. We don't have a director of pitching. There's a minor league pitching coordinator. The, uh, Craig Breslow is largely doing the pitching lab thing. Um, I think that's probably 
mostly in Chicago in season, though I'm sure there's some stuff out in Mesa. But what I would like to have, what I would see would make sense to me, one guy ought to be in Chicago pretty much all the time. And to me, that might be Craig Breslow. Then there ought to be one guy who is in Mesa pretty much all the time. To me, might make sense that that could possibly be Kyle Bodie. Then you have the pitching coordinator who his job is to have little sheets of paper. Okay, this is what Jose Miguel Garcia ought to be working on this week. This is what um, Matt Swarmer ought to be working on this week. This is what the pitch sequencing ought to be for DJ Hurst. Different things, different ideas, different people, different goals, different positions, different spots, different titles. Is it possible Kyle Bodie might want more um well, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh more ability to do whatever the heck he wants. Is there the possibility that Kyle that Kyle Bodie, if called in an interview by the Cubs, I want to do more than you guys want me to do, and I'm going to possibly cause trouble if you put boundaries up. If that's the case, no, he's not the guy. He's not the guy. But it could be. Uh, he has worked with the person who is the Cubs um, minor league pitching coordinator. So there sounds like there probably ought to be some sort of similarity of mind between Bodie and some of the people in the Cubs front office. So to me, it sounds like it might make sense. Does that necessarily mean it'll happen? Does that necessarily mean it should happen? No, but since the Cubs do have some spending ability, even if Tom Ricketts doesn't want to go over a certain spending limit so as to lose certain other things. Um, the Cubs decided to bring in Kyle Bodie for $50,000 next year. Just pulling a number out of my wallet. $50,000, $60,000, well, what would it take? Do it. Why not? Sure, bring him in. Him or someone else. I'm not particularly choicey. What I want is more people who have more looks at more pitchers say, hey, how about this? Let's work with this script. Let's try this other thing. How about j just doing stuff, checking things? The pitchers are out there. The pitchers are working in Mesa. The pitchers are working in the Dominican. The pitchers are working wherever it is that they are, having an extra mind in there saying, hey, let's look at this. Let's try this. That seems like it might make sense to me. Wow, I'm, it, this, this is going to be a rather short review. Since it is the Mesa game on the screen, I'm going to start there. Mesa lost 6 to nothing to the Reds. Um, the big news there, Drew Gray, the Cubs' third-round draft pick, a high school guy out of... Crikey, where was he from? I'm not even remembering right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hear you guys yelling through the phone at me. That's cool. Um, he pitched. It was his second start. Two innings, two hits, one run not earned. One walk, five strikeouts. So to summarize, two innings, five strikeouts. Yeah, I'm good with that. Drew Gray, um, sounding like he might be able to start in 
Myrtle Beach next year, maybe possibly. I would be good with that. Offensively, Edgar Gamargo and Ezekiel Pagan had singles. Pagans led off the bottom of the first. And then from then on, in the seven-inning game, the Cubs had one more hit. Really not a whole lot to get worried about. Really not a whole lot to talk about from that game. Now let's jump ahead. Speaking of games that didn't work very well, Pittsburgh beat Cubs Blue 11-2. Uh, let's see now. The Daniel Ferreira had a hit and a walk, which doesn't sound like it's very much, but his OPS climbs with the one for two and a walk all the way up to 410. Um, Christian Hernandez drew a walk, scored a run. Um, Frank Hernandez, single and an RBI. And Lionel Espinosa, single and a run scored. 11 to 2. Trailed trailed eight to nothing, cut it to eight to two, then gave up three in the fourth inning, and then I think they might as well just send people home. Then three hits for the Dominican Cubs. Uh, Dominican Cubs blue pitching. Uh, Sanchez. What's Sanchez's name? Moves this over so I can look and cheat. Oh, what's Sanchez's name? Don't have these all memorized? No, of course I don't. Not yet. I'm not that good yet. Um, Tony Sanchez. Tony Sanchez. A twenty, uh, a two thousand three signing. Cool. Uh, a, a two thousand three baby. Um, cool. Uh, Tony Sanchez. Two innings, one hit, one walk, two strikeouts, ERA down to 2.78 for the season. And you probably know by now what I say when a player has his earned run average in the Dominican League down below three. Get him stateside. Have him work with um, Kyle Bodie or whoever the heck is teaching players. Uh, Dominican League Giants, Dominican League Cubs in the Cubs facility. Cubs trailed 4-1 to one to the bottom of the seventh. And I think it was a seven-inning game. And they scored three in the seventh. Nobody scored in the eighth. And the Cubs scored a run in the ninth. Maybe that was a regular nine-inning game. Um, Pedro Ramirez won for five with a triple. Um, his OPS is 9-11. Dude is amazing. Um, home run for... I'm going to cheat again. Because my brain is not... Elias Fabian. Fabian. Elias Fabian. Homered and... Let's see. Sur Anderson Suriel, two for three. Run scored with a walk. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, nice game for the DSL Red Cubs coming from behind late. Now let's get to the full season. Click to that. Yeah, I kind of like doing it this way. Not as much writing and um, possibly might not be as complete as you want, but it's um, it's easier and it kind of flows. 
Uh, Myrtle Beach trailed three to nothing to the eleven, <laughs> three, three to nothing to the bottom of the fourth, and scored eleven in the bottom of the fourth. Considering that they scored eleven runs in the bottom of the fourth, there wasn't really all that much offense um, because they they didn't score after that, and they only had ten hits, and I think they had about ten hits in the third inning in the fourth inning. Uh, Christian Frank, Franklin, one for three, two walks, run scored, RBI. One thing I heard Christian Franklin saying you uh, today, you can get all the swings you possibly want in the batting cage, but you can't replicate ones in games. Very well stated. Um, Jacob Wetzel, two for four, run scored, RBI. Jordan Wogu drove in a run. Peter Matt. One for five, run scored, RBI. Ed Howard, two for four, two runs, one driven in. His batting average is up to 218. Fabian Pertuz, one for four, run scored. Ethan Hearn, two for three, two runs scored, three RBIs. Yosue Uma, one for three, two runs scored, two RBIs. Again, everything that involved runs or RBIs came in the fourth inning. Um, Jose Miguel Gonzalez. Four innings, five hits, three runs, three earned. And Luis Rodriguez um, <laughs> kind of pirated the uh, the victory by coming in to start the fifth when he was all of a sudden with a um, eight run lead. But he pit Luis Rodriguez pitched very well. He um, he doesn't belong. <sighs> I'm gonna pull that one back. Um, four innings pitched, two hits. A run, an earned run, three walks, eight strikeouts, four innings, eight strikeouts, a career, eight high strikeouts for Rodriguez. He gave up a run. It was on a home run. His ERA is 1.74. Here's what I'm going to say about Luis Rodriguez. Next year, he should be in the Myrtle Beach rotation. Um, give him a look. He's Rule 5 eligible this offseason. I don't think he has done enough for anyone to poach him. But next year, expect him to do well enough so that possibly he would get poached. Frankie Scalzo Jr. came in, pitched the ninth inning. I got to look at this. Pitches, Scalzo, 10, inning, 10 pitches, 1 inning, 10 pitches, no hits, 1 strikeout. He, he doesn't belong at this level. He really doesn't belong at this level. He should be in South Bend in May, and that's all I got to say about that. Um, South Bend game, let's take a second to get to the next screen. Tennessee got rained out. Tennessee got rained out, so I'm not going to have anything from there. South Bend lost 8-3. to Chris Clark pitched. Um, he's kind of a bit with the Max Bain thing as far as he's more developing himself as a pitcher. I'm not going to worry about it. Five and two-thirds, ten hits, five runs, five earned, two walks, three strikeouts, one home run. Really don't care. Jose Albertos comes in, two and a third, three hits, three runs, one run, uh, three runs, one earned, one walk, three strikeouts. From what I hear, Albertos really likes it in the Cubs system. Um, I don't know if he will get rule fived at the minor league level. Don't know, could happen, might be, but it sounds like he's interested in the cup staying. He wants to stick around the Cubs system, which is generally a good thing. Chris Clark, 0 for 6 in wins and losses this year. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. 
Um, you know, Hendrik Piango tripled and scored one of the two runs. Jonathan Perlaza drove him in with a sacrifice. Drove him in with a something, uh, probably a ground ball, and later singled. Bryce Ball two for three, two runs scored with a walk. Batting average two sixteen. OPS 759. He's getting there. Tyler Derna, two for four. Jake Slaughter, one for three, two RBIs. Ooh, the RBIs are coming for Jake Slaughter. Cool. Um, again, not really a whole lot to burn a whole lot of energy on in this game. I will finish in Omaha with the South Bend game. There is bit of news there. There is bit of news. Bit of news. Not sure how much. Um South Bend, or I mean, Iowa trailed three to nothing going into the seventh. They tied it with two in the seventh, one in the eighth. No offense in the tenth, despite the base runner. No offense in the eleventh, despite the base runner. And some curious things happened in the twelfth inning, and the I Cubs won six to five. Ian Miller, two for five, had a wonderful bunt single, which effectively went for naught. Greg Dykeman, pinch hit and walked. This is my shocked face. Uh, Janeshwi Vargas, two for six, runs scored. Bayatal Avellino, one for five, runs scored. Two RBIs. Brennan Davis, one for four with a walk. Still no triples. That's why he's going to stick in triple A. Um, pitching. The pitching, though, the pitching is where the news is. Joe Biagini was not the reason for the pitching discussion. Six innings, six hits, three runs, three earned, seven strikeouts, no walks. Eh, okay, fine. Uh, Blake Whitney, one inning, no hits, no runs, no earned runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Um, so it goes. Now, here is where the news gets a little bit interesting. Jason Adam who had a gruesome injury in, what was it, early June? Something like that. Out in, He was in Des Moines, the minor leagues, had a serious ankle injury. Um, the entire practice got stopped because they, uh, the entire concern was keeping Jason Adam able, healthy, all that kind of stuff. Adam, after pitching in Mesa, today he, well, today, Friday, he pitched an inning in relief in AAA. Strikeout, strikeout, very boring pop-up. Nice inning, nice return. Jason Adam, the Cubs do have his rights for next season if they want him, if they are willing to either give him a 40-man roster spot or agree to something so that he doesn't have to take up a 40-man roster spot. Either way, either or, the Cubs have the choice on Jason Adam, as opposed to players like uh, Matt Duffy, who will be free agents at the end of the season. The Cubs get to decide on Jason Adam. That is another bit of information I'm going to have to toss onto the Rule 5 pie. He wouldn't be Rule 5 eligible, but still, it's a 40-man roster. Next step, Ethan Roberts. Last outing, he was miserable. He was absolutely terrible. 
he couldn't locate the edges, and he absolutely has to be able to locate on the edges. Otherwise, he is a non-entity. Today, he was fantastic. Two innings, a hit, a walk, three strikeouts. He was spotting the ball at 95 on a slow gun. Ethan Roberts was spotting the ball on the edge at 95 on a slow gun. Ethan Roberts making a case for a 40-man roster spot. When I say a person is tentatively off, that completely means tentatively. There is no finality on it until the middle of July or until the middle of November. Come the middle of November, then there's finality. As of right now, it's all hypothetical. It's all happenstance. Jason Adam, interesting stuff. Ethan Roberts, interesting stuff. Juan Gomez, interesting stuff. He's a player who I've heard him mentioned. I've heard his name. He was in one of the lower levels. I think he was in Tennessee, and he might even been in South Bend this year. But he's one of those guys. He, you have pitchers. You, just, you, you have guys who they're doing what they're doing. And today he was pitching in AAA for the I-Cubs against a very good Omaha squad. Juan Gomez throwing 95. Juan Gomez throwing 95. His ERA right now is 8.78. The likelihood of Juan Gomez being selected in the Rule 5 draft is infi- what, infinitesimal. You know, about a small, He's not going to get drafted in the Rule 5 draft. He, he won't. He is rule, uh, he's a Rule 9 free agent. I think that's the term Arizona still uses. Rule 9 free agent. He's been in the minor leagues long enough. If he wants to go somewhere else at the end of the season, he can. He can go anywhere he wants at the end of the season. End of the season, he can go wherever he wants if he wants to. One of the carrots that teams will sometimes use with players like Juan Gomez. We will let you play on the Mesa Solar Sox, the Arizona Fall League team. You can play with the Mesa Solar Sox, but to sign to play with the Mesa Solar Sox, you have to sign a successor contract. A successor contract means if I'm not selected by someone else, I will come back and play for you. Rather, rather basic, rather straightforward. Benefits the player, because he's getting to go play in the Arizona League. Gets paid for that. He's guaranteed a spot next season. Who knows, maybe he can argue his way into getting a nice little raise. You know, he's supposed to be getting $25,000. Maybe now he gets $30,000 because they're giving him, yeah, yeah, you know, the old uh, bargain with the airline to get better seats or whatever. Juan Gomez makes sense on the, Air, on the Mesa Solar side. Because Juan Gomez is the type of arm that it's really useful to have those kind of guys every season. It's nice to have the kind of guy who you can send him to double A, he'll pitch in double A. You send him to triple A, he'll pitch in triple A. You send him, he probably won't make the major leagues, but he's a live enough arm. He's 95. He's, He's generally throwing strikes now. He's getting hit. But I would be perfectly good with using one of the 190 off-season roster spots on Juan Gomez. Why not? Do I want to give him a 
non-roster invite to spring training. If that's what it takes, you do it. Sure, why not? He seems worth having around. Um, and the only way they're going to be able to keep him is if they entice him. So, uh, yeah, there, there, there's interesting stuff today. Interesting stuff today. Um, not a whole lot of big games. Not a whole lot of big names. Uh, Tennessee rained out again. And season starting to wind down. Um, actually, I, I was listening to the Myrtle Beach game. And I I was sleeping. I, I, I enjoy taking... I, I'm very good at taking naps during baseball games. In fact, when I load up games on the YouTube... Sometimes I fall asleep to them. And, uh... That, that's quite con convenient and comfortable and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, Kyle Bodie, think about it. Does he make sense to you? I expect I will probably have a an article on Bleed Cubby Blue talking about him and tying in a little bit of Jason Adam um, along with in the morning. And have a great weekend.